okay yeah um, and okay uh, so episode 48 uh, abhay and mahesh what's up people how is it going hi kishan how are you going going good kishan thanks for having us on your podcast it's a yeah, pleasure first time on your podcast <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's a pleasure talking to both of you like you guys are really uh, awesome people and i always have fun with you guys so why not have fun another time i will take and that compliment last, last podcast was a lot of fun you were like i said uh, you uh, you brought up some really good questions that got me thinking so i was quite excited to say okay let's see what this new new podcast is going to be about you know the last time after we talked uh, like after i recorded the show all that we continued talking for like an hour or something no? like that was a really good conversation mm-hmm. that we had true very true okay <clears throat> so uh, uh, the first question that i want to ask you both uh, okay what do you think makes a makes an idea great like should there be uh, an appealing an appeal to the masses or should it have like a resonating uh, idea or resonating uh, okay let me read the question that i wrote okay deep rooted connection for everyone to understand it what do you think makes an idea great who wants to answer this first i will let abhay take care of this first <laughs> and i will add <laughs> um okay uh, what makes an idea great so to think back to some of the ideas that i thought uh, were great is uh, one like you rightly pointed out i think it has to be able to be very relatable to a lot of people hmm. and uh, two i think if it addresses uh, an issue that improves the quality of life in some way or the other of a lot of people whether uh, it is a product or a service whether the day to day life becomes a little easier or the way they think uh, starts getting modified and changed for the better i think for me personally those are the ideas that i think are pretty great mesh hmm. i have sort of a similar point of view as well and when it comes to ideas it's the same thing personally speaking the ideas that i think are great the ones that impress me and if it's going to be impressing you it's it's going to be relatable to you at some level so relatability is always going to be a factor so that is there but apart from that i think anything that moves you in any way shape or form is a great idea so i know that it's subjective and that's kind of a cop out answer but that at least to me that is what it is you know anything that will move you is a great idea you know i uh, like even if if someone asks me the same question even i'll have like the same answer to give but you know what uh, i personally feel like the, all the personal opinions like that would really affect people like uh, say if a filmmaker does a movie that is really controversial or uh, if a person writes a book which is really controversial to all the people because it doesn't align with what people think align with it doesn't align with what the society thinks about that particular topic right now you know won't that be a problem like what do you think should be uh, the should be the greatness of an idea like even if it hurts people should it be put out to the audience or uh, how should that happen 
Mm, I think that's uh, this is goes into the space of uh, you know being relative. Uh, what some people consider a great idea, what some don't. That's a very subjective and a very relative answer. So it's difficult to give one one uh, answer that will fit all of that. Especially, let's take what you asked just now. If it's mm-hmm. controversial or not, what is the controversy? That's fairly open-ended, right? Mm-hmm. There are. Uh, I know that uh, Brave New World, when Huxley wrote it in the 1930s, I think late 1930s, was fairly controversial because he spoke about you know babies being born in test tubes and this and that and stuff. And it was he spoke about uh, you know he was the, the character, the world that he created, monogamy was not allowed, and all of those things. And there was a lot of protest, and it was very controversial when it came out. But, you know, you cut to 20, 30, 50, you know, how many ever years later, how many ever decades later, you think it was one of the, you know, one very, very important book that shaped a lot of thinking in the Western world, uh, had a deep and profound impact on, 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 you know, philosophers, thinkers, policymakers and politicians. So I think uh, it depends on the, this is something you spoke about last time, the intent of, of mm. what was created. It was, is it being created for the sake of controversy or is there a truly thought out idea that needed to be shared at that point or shared whether people liked it or not? So the intent is very, very important. Hmm. Nice. Yeah, I, agree. I mean, even if you take any films that were coming out in the 40s and 50s, um, you're, obvious, you're obviously going to come about certain directors who broke the status quo, right? They were the gateway for other filmmakers to say that or we can make films that doesn't have to be formulaic. We can make films that doesn't have to be uh, appealing to the masses, but something that that is purely their own child or purely their own ideas. If you take any film that, that Kubrick made in the 60s, uh, people would have just bashed it and be like, oh, this is some artsy-fartsy stuff. But many years people realized that, uh, oh, the direct, this is an example of, a director who was really, really way ahead of his time. There's an interview with, uh, uh, oh my God, what's his name? Uh, the director who did Annie Hall. Uh, Annie Hall. Woody Allen. Woody Allen, yeah. There's, a, uh, <laughs> uh, there's an interview with Woody Allen where he's talking about Kubrick. <laughs> and uh, he talks about how he saw 2001 for the first time and he thought, okay, it's, a, it's an okay film. And then a couple of years later, uh, he saw it again and he thought, okay, this is a really good movie. And then like a few years later, he saw the movie again and he was just blown away. Mm-hmm. And he recounted it as one of those moments where uh, he realized the director was way ahead of him in just the concept and filmmaking, everything combined. So when it comes to art, I think great ideas when they are at least when the movies come out, you don't realize it, but then many, many years later, they get good to you. So great ideas are, at the end of the day, if the creator thinks that this is what they completely believe in and they put it out there, it's bound to be acknowledged at some point of time. Yeah, I, uh, I like the notion of you saying uh, great ideas are uh, what will stand out in the long run. No, I, I completely agree with that. And adding on to one, adding on to this, I wanted to ask you one thing. So all the three of us are in, are, uh, were born in different generations or different times to say. So um, what's one controversial movie or controversial uh, book or event that happened uh, 
in you guys were my age say 20 But I'm still your age. I'm just 23. <laughs> I'm not that old. Ah, okay, sorry, ma. <laughs> so Abhay is the only one who can really speak from a different generation. Yeah. Then okay. Yeah. So far, sir, almost. So, Abhay, sorry. Could uh, just repeat that bit. Okay. So uh, what I want to ask you is, like, you are way older than us. I mean, way older. Okay. Thirty yeah, years older than us. So, what was the one controversial movie <laughs> or book or whatever event that happened when you were twenty? Like, do you remember anything? Like, is there was there anything that happened? Oh boy, twenty. Uh, <laughs> Wait, what year was it when you were twenty, Abhay? Ah, nineteen ninety one. Ah, ninety one. Oh wow! Yeah. The decade you were born. A lot of stuff was happening. Correct. So the nineties, right? Yeah. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Uh, there was a lot of nineties. Uh, was uh, was a very very interesting year. I think many things come to mind. There were assassinations. There were political upheaval. I think uh, it was a. It was for me personally. I think nineties was interesting because we had the uh, advent of cable television, and hmm. that reshaped uh, Indian. Um, you know political cultural and social uh, framework uh, mm-hmm. we got access into our living rooms directly being beamed out 24/7 we got access to the media that the rest of the world was consuming right and, and okay more than rest of the world coming out of america and consumed by the rest of the world and we became a part of that uh, so i think that changed a lot uh, cable news cable television cable entertainment you know um, when i think back of some of the shows that first came we had like daily soap operas from the us that were like the precursors to the you know to the kyu kabhi saas bhi you know <laughs> whatever those uh, series ekta kapoor series these were the kabhi bahuti ah correct right so we had golden beautiful santa barbara which are still running i think 40 years down they've been running for 30 40 years maybe even more So suddenly we got access yeah. to what people were consuming, and that shaped our psyche. We didn't understand what was going on to some extent because it was so alien to us. We had a very filtered version of what was coming to us from from the West until then, because it, it was released in theaters and very few films were released. And you know, uh, but suddenly now the floodgates opened, and we had MTV, the original version, coming in. We had all of this coming in, and we just I think for the first couple of years we just we just sat gobsmacked, saying, "What mm. is this crazy?" insane and if that happened to us for you know in big cities with some amount of exposure you know in smaller towns and in smaller these things it had a profound impact i mean you know things like bold and beautiful and stuff the relationships you know like everybody is is sleeping with everybody and there's extramarital affairs and you know the 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 dad is having an affair with the son's fiance and this is happening and all of us are sitting there saying what is this <laughs> so bad this and then coming 10 years later you have ekta kapoor and you have all sorts of things happening here so it shaped yeah the way yeah right so it just shaped it just it, it, it i think i don't know you can't say good or bad it just it just opened too fast too quickly and instantly we weren't prepared for it so i think for me 90s okay yeah. and, and with cable people there was liberalization that happened and you know the economy was opening up and all of those things happened but in terms of the profound impact that i can see immediately around me indian contemporary culture from that moment on was never the same 
uh, mm. cut from there to a direct line to you know TikTok millionaires and this and that happening here. There's a direct <laughs> correlation from there to here. So it all yeah. began from from you know liberalization and Narsimha opening up and letting cable. I think it was him. Yeah, it was him. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. that's when it happened so for me i think that was a very very important thing that happened uh, in my 20s this is very interesting because <laughs> yeah this is very interesting because abhi you talk about how uh, like you you're seeing shows with it, like extramarital affairs and you're just going oh my god this is so scandalous <laughs> but we have grown up in this generation right we have grown up with televisions and cartoons and all this so by the time we are 20 or even our teenage years we have already become so neutralized uh, to all of this stuff yeah. that the only thing that really affects are like legit really really effed up stuff i mean both of you guys know the kind of movies i watch <laughs> and i'm still 22 so it takes is basically just shows the kind of exposure that we have to media and the kind of movies and shows and anime there's just so much that we've been fed through ever since we were little kids so the bar for what we may consider as controversial or something we go see and and go like oh my god really mm. is very different so if we see something r- really racist right because right. something some things in some of these older movies are extremely racist so we see it and we go oh my god how could they possibly do that because it's something that's just not okay in our generation but someone from the 70s or 80s would would consider that as normal because that's what they grew up with hmm. so just how the times have changed it is reversed hmm. completely <laughs> yeah i think that's a really good point you brought out because uh, yeah like taking uh, stuff from what abai said and taking stuff from what you said i think the amount of content that is available to people right now is vast it's like humongous and making use of all of that that is really damn <laughs> yeah and then you know talking about that i think uh, like the controversial parts that abai told like saas bhi kabhi bahuti all of those aspects and i think uh, like the liberal liberalization and how media has changed us to understand new stuff like some people are still stuck uh, i think a lot of people who are in their mid 50s or something like who are really older and who grew up watching all of those tv shows or uh, whatever that was who they uh, what they think about being like the good uh, sanskari person or good cultured person i think if they watch stuff now they'll have their uh, minds boggled they won't understand what's going on <laughs> yeah you show them some of the movies that are coming out these days and that's why they don't watch it that I, is that the same thing where pe- that's why people say oh the music from our generation uh. <laughs> i mean abhay says it was all the time abhay stuck in the 80s and 90s you know you feeling is that defense there was an article couple of years i read uh, i read about music about the millennials and what tunes they remember they found that millennials remember the tunes from the 70s and 80s rock music a lot more than are able to identify those tunes mm-hmm. unique a lot more than they can identify their own contemporary music yeah, yeah because uh, yeah i think that i agree on yeah, because the music that. now is just the same like that the older versions had like different I mean, yeah yeah mahesh I mean, there are some good musicians 
still there but uh, i definitely agree that the majority of our music is from the 70s and 80s and also because a lot of the media that we consume also has music from that era you know you're not going to go watch a movie and suddenly you'll have a mu- some song from a very new artist right i mean you saw avengers endgame it ended with a song from the 1940s mm-hmm. okay <laughs> some harry james song was there and all these classic tunes that are taken up and appropriated into these new new films so that is also an aspect of it i guess so and and the fact that you know things like led zepp and sabbath and and floyd and you know all that stuff still floating around in pop culture references is a validation of that quality of music that happened then mm. so yeah, i think okay. uh, there has there is uh, you know abba i mean I, i i just don't get it you know i didn't get it then when it came out i still don't get abba but you know there's a there's a look at the following that it has uh the the movie yeah. came out and the moment it fit in that's it and there's abba and the beatles you know it's crazy the the, the kind of the yeah. way you know, the onslaught of so many new artists so many new genres all of that coming in is kind of an, is kind of a validation of that so i think um, th- there is something to uh, this is a conversation i've had with a lot of young people about you know uh, back then how things were and how things are now and i i i, I think what one thing that boils it, it boils down to is the fact that back then it wasn't like uh you know we were more intelligent or you know you guys are whatever it's not about it's not about that it's about it was we had to work that much harder to get stuff out there than it is now hmm. right in in when you had to make yeah. a film in the in the 60s 70s 80s was really really hard to get anything on on as film you 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 shoot it on your phone now you yeah. edit it on your phone now right so that was because that barrier was hmm. really high the effort that had to be put in only a small percentage which which also was problematic but only a small percentage of the people could actually achieve that ability to make a film right so talent played a far more important role then than it did now uh, which is got a, it's a double edged sword you know don't yeah. get me wrong it's not like it was fair it was very unfair that only few people had access to making mm-hmm. films mm-hmm. but you have to work that much harder to get it out there because of the technological challenges that that were there then and now you have so much content coming out so but the the advantage of this is there's a i call it like a democratization of content creation that's happened now so now anyone with a phone is a filmmaker which is brilliant hmm. but it the side of that is everyone with a phone yeah. is a filmmaker <laughs> <laughs> it's the same thing that the pro is a con also hmm. exactly <laughs> so that's much more yeah. we had to for us to be able to get some content out there we had to you know not just create really good quality concepts and ideas but also pray and hope and pitch and beg and plead and all of that and then okay you know you your maybe you'll get a chance to put stuff out there uh which was also unfair because of mm-hmm. effort a lot of talented people couldn't would never you know would see their their work would never see the light of day that was really unfortunate but then now you see too many people are putting their stuff out there uh so that's <laughs> Yeah I think the Something effort to unfortunate. reward uh, yeah sorry go on gonya you saying yeah now i think something even more unfortunate is the fact that even if you did get a chance after being so talented you did you went through everything you made that movie because of what technology was at that time 
there was a good chance that it couldn't have been preserved well and it just lost mm. in time and it doesn't exist anymore. Yeah, there yeah, have yeah, been so true. many thousands of films yeah that are lost in time very true very true that was definitely a huge uh, problem there and also uh, the other problem was when when uh, we made our film 20 plus uh, there were no multiplexes then it was uh, early 2000 therefore uh we had to yeah. hire an entire movie hall a thousand seater hall and you know we had to nobody picked up our film because you know uh, combined with the technique it was a bit uh, raw and amateurish to some extent because you know we really shot on 16 and it was the first film that we were doing uh it was also english and not too many people were picking up indian english films hmm. uh so we we had to release it in in a yeah. theater here and uh, we could afford only one show morning show and that particular day that we released it on a on 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 that thursday a slightly less known film called lagan was released ah. on that day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah you mentioned chance we had got wiped out you know it was so i think actually because we got great publicity we, you know the the media loved us we were three young guys you know beg borrowed money we put it out there we yeah. put our heart and soul into the film and we actually for 3 weeks we had about 40 to 60% capacity for 3 weeks that is about 300 to 600 people every day for 3 weeks if it was a month we would be having sold out shows but because it was a big hall no, i know i had a full cost yeah so that was the flip side of not having multiplexes there if we had that we would have had a better chance i mean people would have actually see how both outside our multiplex which never really happened it happened to lagan for all three four five shows after that but never for us <laughs> yeah so those are some ways i'm glad you did it that time before multiplexes because i mean in, now in multiplexes no one goes to watch the smaller scale movies mm-hmm. at all yeah, yeah. just go there watch the big blockbuster and complete so the fact that you got 300 people for three weeks Mm, actually yeah that's, like, enough, that's a big deal like, you guys doing so yeah. much and for the morning show that is morning show yeah, morning. had like yeah. 300 400 people pour in and watch the movie that's yeah. really huge that was, <laughs> that was really brilliant so yeah, hopefully was... we get to see this movie someday or the other yep. yeah yep. we've been asking for a long time yes, yes, that's the problem we need to test it will happen for sure <laughs> one day one day it will happen yeah i think uh, i think the like the emergence of multiplexes that's saturated the entire uh, you know like uh, like all the movies that are releasing and uh, whatever content that's being put out i think uh, being easily available it got really saturated like people like even if they have a lot of availability they don't know what to do what to do with all of that uh, amount of content all of that freedom that they have you know Yeah, it is the same thing of for people who go on go on Netflix and be like, dude, there is just so much I don't know what to choose anymore, and you spend half an hour deciding what to watch, and then you end up not watching anything. <laughs> it's the same issue. Okay, so I think uh, we yeah. went uh, went a full circle. Like we started talking about a great idea, and then ended the great idea and how we how the longevity of that idea will stand. Okay, so uh, second question that I had uh, is: It a moral obligation for a filmmaker to illustrate any sort of meaning from his films? Like, 
should there be a condition or should there be a sort of a message that he's he's uh, putting out there to the audience or should it just be for the heck of it i want to do a movie i do it there uh, is no message no nothing you just come watch sit and go so what should uh, what should there uh, essentially be like i know this is a subjective answer That's again nice. but uh, thinking on a general Very perspective correct. subjective but also very a, low, a very low heavy loaded question more <laughs> mm. i think it boils down to the individual i think there is of this argument this is one of those things where there's no binary answer Mm-hmm. i think both sides of mm-hmm. the argument are are valid you know there's this whole this is a debate that's been raging since man started art you know art for the sake of the art for social mean and mm-hmm. wait abhi i think i lost you can uh so i got cut out a little yeah bit. yeah, yeah. yeah. I, uh, now you are audible okay can you so i said that uh, this debate of art for the sake of art, art for the sake of so is that raging since time memorial and it's not going to go away in a hurry moment you know the cave painting started this debate started uh, i i don't think it's going to change uh, in in a hurry and i think it just boils down to the individual that person mm. that person creating this i spoke about this briefly in the last uh, Wait, Abhay. I think we lost you again. What is the purpose? Of okay, yeah. Uh, sometimes it just drops off for a for a few seconds and it reconnects. Yeah, yeah. Okay, Abhay, you were okay. saying. Okay. So yeah, so I'm saying like as you know, at the risk of repeating myself. So I said this that whole debate will continue. Uh, art for the sake of art versus art versus uh, for and art versus uh, uh, social change or art for social change. So it depends on the individual. why is he creating that work of art is he trying to illustrate a point is he trying to express what he's feeling inside it boils down to that individual and that work of art at least that's my take and i think depending on as a viewer what would you want do you want art for the sake of art and consume it raw or do you want it to be something that gets you to think deeper or something that highlights a larger issue i think depending on what you are expecting from that work of art uh, you will engage with it and react to it either positively or not at all what do you think mahesh uh i mean i agree with the same thing right uh, there are some certain filmmakers who who for them filmmaking is not just about making a film but about um, having a certain message in it so there it's something that they want to portray in this film whether it could be political it might not be political it's some something that they believe in or something that they have gone through but at the same time um there are those filmmakers who have grown up watching films right they have grown up being huge cinephiles and their only job is oh i want to make a really fun trashy blockbuster movie and there's nothing wrong with that some people just want to do that because that's what they're really into they they don't care about whether having a message is important or not uh, like something even more interesting is the fact that why did those two come about right when film was invented when it was done for the first time it was purely as a source of entertainment but um, over the course of the years uh, world war 1 and world war 2 these are the times where propaganda films were generated so 
those are the, that's maybe the first ever occurrence of a movie with a very purposeful obligated message maybe abai can correct me if i'm wrong but then after that uh, once the war was over all these directors who were uh, made to you know produce these propaganda films were now completely out of it and they could make whatever they wanted and so the evolution of that has always been there so the origins of why these debate started in the first place at least related to film is even more interesting because i mean the debate of uh, whether a director should be obligated or not will as abai said gone forever hmm. okay so i think uh, uh, one thing that i wanted to add to this whole conversation was uh like the amount of movies that we have now i think uh, even if we look at it uh, on the perspective of there should be a moral obligation for the director to you know uh, pitch in a message to all the audience that are watching i think the better answer for that question would be to make people think like uh, i agree there are movies that uh, we just go in to enjoy but i think the the wholesome answer would be to make people think once they step out of that theater or movie hall whatever they have to try to get that meaning grasp an idea what the director wanted to convey grasp that theme that they wanted to say through that movie i think that would make uh, the whole answer for having a moral obligation justified because uh, once you make people think i think thinking would change the perspective of how they look at everything else so i think once you make an audience member think about the concept that you're talking about i think that would be the best achievement that they could ever receive so does it fall onto the audience completely though yeah i think see that is the audience taking uh, the idea and understanding it thinking on it and uh, maybe inculcating it is one part the other part would be the intent or the idea that the director or the screenwriter wanted to pitch in i think both of those combined together would make uh, make everything more uh, sensible i think abhay had something to say here Yeah, I cut him off. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you Correct. were talking about the the obligation of a director to to convey a message, right? Hmm. So that's you know that that in essence that is what all propaganda films did, right? It's the same hmm. thing. It's a double-edged sword. Yeah. So when when they were making movies for when there were propaganda films being made for Hitler at that time he he there was a message that was being the filmmakers came you know with a message they wanted to change the way people thought and that was you know uh, making them think that nazism is the way forward so it's a it's a it's a it's a fairly problematic position to take to say that you know we need to bring a message out because uh, that You, the, uh, the essence of propaganda is that saying that we want people to think in a certain way, and therefore we'll make a film to make them think a certain way. That certain way can go any way. Hmm. So it's uh, definitely that is one issue that I have with that because who decides what, how an audience should think or not, and who decides that their position to think something is better than the audience member's uh, position, right? So that means 
the director or the screenwriter goes into a higher state of of awareness or far more intelligent or evolved and that's a big assumption to make the second part is sometimes cinema just to make it fun and entertaining itself has a, has there is virtue in that so hmm. i think cinema can be just fun and engaging and entertaining and that escapism itself can be rewarding so i think it can go i think there are two sides to that argument uh worth worth considering because pr- saying that a message can change people yes it can but you have to be careful who is giving that message and why and is it truly beneficial for society because um there have been a lot of films that have been fairly controversial uh and like mahesha pointed out yeah. uh propaganda cinema was all about that yeah i think uh, you know you brought it up really well you uh, yeah that i really agree on because uh, that there is a there is a state state where uh, like the differences of opinion of all the people that uh, that are present and watching the movie i think that would have a everlasting impact on how the uh, core uh, message or theme that the movie wanted to convey itself right okay we have three more minutes before i ask my other question because yeah, uh, and also Uh-huh. Oh yeah, you were saying. Yeah, sorry. I was just saying that since Abhay brought up propaganda films as well, uh, we often tend to view these things as oh, it it was very bad, and it's 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 a very narrow way of looking at something. But when you dig deeper into uh, the way these films were made and how directors were forced to make these films, even though they didn't want to and they didn't agree with what the movie was talking. about it was at these times where you know adding really originated and it's okay we need to send this message it needs to be very on the nose and all of that is fine but we are going to add in these subtle clues and subtext within our film uh, about the things that we want to and isn't really on the nose so that generated this whole wave of making films that are a little more deeper and adding more subtext in, in their narratives so that's Uh, i wouldn't want to say that's an advantage of the fact that we had propaganda films but it's a consequence of it i think uh, there are like looking at the movies that are releasing now i think there is a shortage of movies that really uh, try to convey a deeper sense of meaning or uh, make people think <clears throat> uh, like we spoke about it last time i think uh... shows have taken over that role mm, yeah yeah actively yeah very really okay there's less than a minute we'll stop huh? yeah uh, um i think uh, the next question that i had was uh, something like not completely related to movies as per se but i think uh, that would be a really uh, good conversation to have okay We'll see you in the next meeting. Yeah. <laughs> I'll stop this. Okay. Uh, so the question that I wanted to ask you is before us. I think uh, I don't know how to uh, phrase this, but uh, you know how this Marxist ideology, like this uh, Marx, has one saying where he says, uh, "Religion is the opium of the masses." Like, do you guys agree with that? And uh, uh, 
whatever we talk now it's our subjective opinion so do not send me hate messages or something so just uh, listen <laughs> and enjoy and uh, yes uh, talking on that line of uh, marx's quote or uh, his ideology whatever uh, do you see religion having a really everlasting effect on uh, people on humanity itself like from the day it originated and all the way till now like is there uh, a lot of impact a lot of severe or good bad whatever impact that it's caused to all of us who would like to answer this all yours okay <laughs> i don't know oh just because my name is maheshwara i should take the uh, question about religion right on i mean just the fact that the concept of religion has lasted so long and is still so prevalent today will i mean immediately answer the question that yeah religion is it clearly has an impact on us whether that's good or bad i mean there are several examples of for both of those cases but it's always been there and coming to the question of what you said right religion is the opium for the masses the way i always thought about it is humans in general have always had this constant need of uh, needing an answer for something right that's why we question things so much that's why we evolved so much as a society is because we question everything anything that scientific anything philosophical or psychological any whatever it may be we, we need the gratification of getting that answer so and what is one of the biggest questions that has ever confronted humanity is this question of why are we here how how did we come into existence how did this universe come into existence so all of these there's just so many questions are there and they're all vary from each other so much so there is no one particular answer that will fill every single bracket to satisfy you but along somewhere along the way came this concept of religion that was just vague enough that was just broad enough to fill most of those questions that you had and you could be like okay i'm i'm satisfied with that answer that i'm not going to say that it can't be proved wrong but it it ticks all of most of these boxes so it's going to stick i will believe in it and there you go and you add in a little bit of history and uh, magic and miracles and a lot of these things stories right it agendas are all stories you add all of these to fit a, construct a narrative that fits all of these boxes and there you go religion is born and i think that's why it's lasted so long because these are still questions that plague us and we still don't have a better answer than that or at least that's what i think yeah fair okay abhay uh, yeah I, um, i i agree with what what maheshwara says and to build on that it's been around for so long and it's not going away in a hurry uh it's taken on various forms over the last you know the recorded civilization you go back you know 5 8000 years it's been around uh it's modified it's tweaked it became mythology religion organized religion this that you have you know then you have the spirituality that came out of it you have so many aspects of it that came out um so i think it's got its its benefits for sure it's helped a lot of people go through very difficult times it's been uh in it's it's inspired people to rise above a lot of your early art came out of you know uh, great painters painting for 
uh, uh, painting for the church, painting for, for you know, uh, large um, religious institutions. So it has contributed a lot. At one time, it was one of the largest patrons of the art. So religion has had its, uh, it, it, had, it had a lot of positive impact on a lot of people, uh, but it's also become problematic when it gets organized. So I think that's the, for me, that's the tale of, of the human journey. I think religion is, uh, it, it beautifully represents our journey and our trials and tribulations and the ups and downs that we go through as individuals and collective is, is also manifested in the religions that, uh, that are there and that we belong to and, and they're a part of. So as far as religion is concerned, I think it's, it's not going away in a hurry. Uh, it's, got, uh, it's got a lot of good things that have, that have happened that it's managed to uh, offer to its offer to the people that believe whatever religion that they believe in. There have been a lot of areas that have been problematic, but more often than not, it also comes from how the like anything else how that religion is used. So from that perspective, uh, I think uh, this is something that we're going to grapple with as long as humanity is around. Um, the there's a whole other school of thought that also questions. Uh, it also looks at science in the, as a form of religion also. Uh, there's this whole thing of having faith and, and quantum physics and faith. Uh, so there's another big debate uh, when it comes to that. Yeah. So there is, uh, there's not good, we're not going to find a resolution to this as long as we exist on this planet. It's going to be something that we'll have to all learn to live with. And uh, Marx's views are Marx's views. I don't know, you know, he said what he said when he said and it's, it's relevant to that context. Uh, but uh, I think yeah. it's also been, you know, the world has changed a lot since then. And uh, to then look at finding reference to what he said, then I don't know if, if that context exists anymore. Because from when he said that to where the world was to where it is now, they're living in very, very different realities. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, to give my perspective on this, I have three things, three things to say. One, I would like to point, like, whenever I think of the concept of religion, I just, uh, just wonder if it was one single person long ago who thought, okay, yeah, uh, why not give people hope? Like, whenever people are in a bad state, why not give them hope by saying there is something that exists after life? I think I would answer this from an idea that I got uh, from watching a movie, a Ricky Gervais movie uh, called The Invention of Lying. If you guys watch that movie, the entire crux of the movie is this. Like, what would happen if you give people hope about things that they do not know? Like, would they believe it? Would they take it in? Or would they like, completely disregard it? Like, that would be one thing that I always wonder. Like, how do people believe this so much? Believe this with their entire... Uh, life or entire uh, heart or entire mind like that they do not want to look into what happened before like do not want to look into the history or the passage through which it's evolved and how it's become what it is now so that's one thing i i always question myself because like looking at a lot of people they do not understand or they do not see what the entire purpose of religion is they just look at it because they've grown up believing it. Like their parents told them to believe it. Okay, yeah, we believe it. I think that is one thing that always uh, hits me when I think about the term religion. Two, I think uh, talking about the 
Marxist way, like whatever context he told. I think if we take it uh, fairly in a in its just rough state, like we just read the statement and try to understand it, I think it's pretty relevant now. Whatever the intent might be, he talked about before. I do not know about that, but the statement "religion is opium of the masses." I think that is very very uh, uh, applicable to this state also because. if you want to grab people's attention you bring in one idea called religion one idea called say uh, which gives people hope about uh, about the future about what what will happen after life i think people will definitely buy into that idea and then the third concept is trying to understand religion or the religious books that we have as stories as stories that uh give us a moral way a better moral way of looking at things to develop ourselves i think i talked about the same concept last time with a friend of mine also on the podcast where we talked about how people have to start to look at uh, religious texts as stories as important stories which help us grow as better person better people i think when we look at it in that way i feel it would be really uh, a better way of understanding things okay yeah. coming to the first point that you mentioned right hmm. um you talked about how certain people grow up um in in a certain belief they are taught to believe in god they are taught to believe in these ideals and uh, you mentioned how why do they never question that why do they never it's not something you appreciate or uh, all of that i mean isn't it it, it at, at the end of the day it is belief right and abai brought up a point about how there are certain philosophical thoughts of even believing science as a religion and faith and quantum physics and all this and at the end of the day science is also a belief you believe that this certain aspect is true <laughs> you you live all of these years and you never question it until some one day it proves to be the wrong way of looking at this scientific thing that we thought to be true when suddenly it's all changed i think it's the same way with religion as well you believe that this uh, certain view that has been taught to you for whatever reason you believe that it's true for whatever historical reasons that you may have um and it's it might break for you at some point maybe for you or i it is already broken and they already questioned it and they've moved past it but some people still believe in it so i think both the views of it are right in some way hmm. yeah see i agree with that but what my entire problem i feel personally is like you believe it i do not mind i it's your personal opinion you believe you don't believe whatever but not questioning that not trying to understand more of it is what is problematic for me like if i want to if i have to believe something i have to question it i have to completely understand it to believe it no that is what i was trying to say then okay okay fair enough not just blind belief hmm exactly hmm but in their context and in, in their reality there is they have enough information to believe right uh, there there are people there are sto- there are enough for the, what is stories for us could could be fact for them and they see that way and that's it's it's subjective in that context right 
uh, it's like uh, even this this whole area of of quantum physics. At some point, we are taking a word for it because accepting is is uh, is a, a universal truth, and therefore we will we will accept that if you say the following things are true about from the from from doing uh, from looking at quantum physics as finding answers or looking into space and understanding the concepts that rule that govern the universe we will accept that as true the similarly you you have people who believe that creation so you you have uh, hello okay true so i think the whole way unfortunately okay. it takes I'll stop for a minute. Yeah, one okay. minute. Uh, uh, there's too much uh, disturbance. Uh, talk now. You got cut out a bit there. Uh -huh. Hey, I think we have to turn off the camera. Okay. Maybe that might help. Hello. Okay. Yeah. Let's see. Let's see. Yeah. Let's turn uh, off camera. Uh, I turned I it on because it was confusing to see who's gonna talk. Huh. Okay. Abhi, just try now. Uh, okay. Right. Can you hear me now? Ah. Uh, yeah. It's better. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Continue. Yeah, that's better. Okay. So yeah, so there are different definitions of belief systems, and I think uh, being able to accept the entire range of 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 the human experience, uh, fortunately, unfortunately, we have to accommodate multiple points of view, and I think that's the problem that uh, that is always cropped up, saying that one person's point of view will or will not yeah. be accepted, and and that's when this thing begins. And we talk about tolerance on one side, but the other side is that. Uh, what like you pointed out earlier right uh, accepting things blindly that mm. that term again is a bit relative uh, what, they are not uh, people who have strong religious beliefs don't believe that they're not they're, they're looking at it blindly they believe that they've seen all the facts and they've accepted them and which is the foundation of their belief so mm. i think uh, it, it it's it's always tempting to say there's an there's the creation of aslam saying that no i don't see it that way but why can't we see it my way which is exactly the same argument you will get from the other side exactly yeah so i think the answer is not about people telling each other to look at it from the other point of view but to accept uh, and tolerance i think is the answer saying that okay you see this a certain way i see it another way and can these two believe coexist uh without causing harm to either party i think that's that's a space we need more of to be able to create that balanced view completely agreed yep okay uh i think that pretty much sums up what we what i think uh, that uh, this conversation would mm. uh, would justify all our answers or whatever that is we had uh and moving on to the next part of the conversation so i mean i'm not trying to go into the intricacies of uh, whatever laws that we have on censorship right now like do you think there is unnecessary censorship in movies or any art form for that matter like do you think uh, that would inhibit the uh, freedom of speech and expression that people have uh in any art form or any field for that matter like do you think censorship is a curse to expression who would want to answer first uh, double edged sword again uh, 
there is yeah. censorship there is you know there is sentiment to be taken care of also uh, we'd like to believe that yes we want freedom of expression and and that's important i agree but at what cost and i've always believed that uh, yes everybody has the right to say something and say what they feel and what it's true but at uh, what if it's seriously causing damage to uh, to another group of people or other individuals at what point do you then allow it to go to happen and what what do you, i think censorship needs to be more of a debate rather than you know arbitrary rules that have to be but i think the challenge with censorship is right now it's saying this is okay this is not okay and there won't be a debate about it i think it is important to people's perspective uh, keep people's sentiment in mind when you're expressing something but if uh, the way around it or wait not around the way through it is through healthy debate about what if about what is okay and not just blind imposition of rules that can't be questioned nice what yeah, because you can't just take the extremes right so if we look at the two extremes that exist in the matter of censorship one let's take the example of no censorship and complete freedom of speech you can do whatever you want say whatever you want in your things that tend that will eventually come down to a point where uh, things that really shouldn't be on screen or in media will eventually come to light uh, on and the other way as well if you censor it too heavily uh, to the point where uh, you know you can't even make the slightest you know you have to be so politically correct with everything you do that is again a form of it's almost your coupling the creators in a way and you're not you're not letting them express themselves so the only answer is to as abhay said have a space where uh, censorship is more uh, takes into the context in which a certain art form or art piece is created more than imposing just specific rules like oh this is a pg 13 rating this is an a rating uh, in this you can do this in this you can't do this and in this you can do whatever you want so these these have originated throughout the course of time obviously because of certain incidents that would have happened uh, but you know it's the same thing there is as i said there needs to be a discussion about the context in which this art, art piece was created but also since it is a double edged sword there have always been moments where whenever someone is restricted something unique or novel comes out of it uh, so there is that aspect as well where if you if you tell someone you can't do this at all they'll find a creative way to do it mm-hmm. so th- there is there is that aspect too so you never know yeah i like finding a loophole out of it okay um yeah finding a loop yeah so adding on to this i think uh, i want to i don't know if this is a really vague question or really wide or uh, narrow whatever i just want to ask you how important it is it to utilize all the rights that we have as more importantly emphasizing on the freedom of speech and expression that people have how important is it to utilize uh, the to totally utilize the freedom of speech and expression that people have because a lot of people hesitate to speak up hesitate to you know there is a lot of hesitation in a lot of people even in me uh, to answer, to say uh, to say be completely honest 
but how important is it to be a person who totally uh, utilizes the rights that they have um it's important to utilize the rights that that you have as long as they're not impinging on someone else's i think it's important to have your freedom of expression as long as there is an opportunity for debate also uh i think to be able to stick to something and saying this is my right and therefore i will use it to the fullest no matter what the consequences that's problematic uh rights are are not always uh, you know uh rights also have to look at the context in which they were created and also need to be reviewed periodically and i think that's something that very few uh constitutions do or very few you know democracies do lot of forming and framing of mm. of rights and uh, happened at a different time in a different space when society was different uh, socio cultural norms were different so the blind mm. adherence to rights i i don't think is not is always healthy in in a in a healthy society and a healthy functioning democracy the rights are important to uh, become a great starting point to have discussion and debate around saying you know i have these rights let's talk about them are they still relevant are they are they still valid uh, can we work on them can we build on them is there scope for improvement so i think looking at these as absolutes and etched in stone is is definitely problematic yeah i mean we still have so many laws that were that we're still following today that were made in the 40s or in the 1940s or 1950s for a generation that was completely different in a country that was completely different but we still follow them without question because it's just framed over there and no one was bothered to change it and appropriate us to what we are today hmm. okay so we are part of a living society right we are living we are growing we are evolving as individuals uh, so is society so are hmm. the cultural context and therefore our our laws and our constitution also needs to be grow also needs to grow and evolve with the with the relevant socio cultural context yeah i think that is uh, like the answer like that is a statement that every uh, legal personality or legal uh, or to say a jurist uh, or an eminent jurist would say because like even in the discussions that i've heard uh, like that have been part of in seminars like a lot of people the they the one thing that they really emphasize on is like law should change with time and uh, it's not wait for uh, a particular moment but it should keep evolving as times change as situations change as people change i think looking at that perspective it is really important for uh, every single person to inculcate that type of behavior because like if we don't change as per what we have in our surroundings i'm not telling you to change your entire character per se but trying to accommodate yourself to the way of living like i think that is more important okay are you saying something Yeah. Okay. Abhay, you were saying. Yes. Yeah. So I, I think that 
the point that you made was also you know was valid that we need to be able to open uh, be open to dialogue and debate yes it's important to have a point of view to begin with but a point of view should always be considered as a starting point for a discussion and debate uh, it's important to be heard but it's also important to listen hmm completely agree uh you know adding on to this i even wrote something about uh, what the like what the opinion of the society uh, would be like should it matter to people like we hear a lot of chatter here and there a lot of opinions a lot of statements a lot of questions a lot of answers from a lot of people like do you think that should be an inhibiting factor for the growth of a person I didn't get the question. Yeah, I didn't get the question. Okay, okay. Uh, yeah, I'll rephrase it. So, um, like uh, we spoke about how we have to evolve as times evolve and be ever changing rather than being uh, stagnant. So, like adding on to that statement or that answer that we just talked about, like, do you think the opinion of the society that we we live in a society, right? do you think the opinion of the society should matter for us to become better individuals like should we take all the chatter that happens all around us and try to uh, adjust ourselves based on the opinions that we get back as as answers or should we be like ah screw them okay people talk we just have to be ourselves <laughs> what do you think should um, be the best thing to grow as a person i'd say uh, uh I, my answer would be a vehement no to the fact that you should not listen to society uh, mm-hmm. even in 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 situations where they're actually giving you good feedback even even if that is the case at least me i totally believe that personal growth is has to be completely individualistic if you're doing something wrong the only way you're uh, gonna not repeat that and be better is if you realize that yourself and start correcting it yourself so self growth and personal growth at least for me it's been something that um if if i if there's been a certain change in me that change has stuck around only in those times where uh, i realized it myself and i tried to correct it but in situations where uh, someone else, if you do listen to someone else and try to correct it even if it that may be correct uh the moment something goes wrong you have a person to blame you know you have you, uh, you have to be accountable to yourself and no one else so that is, that's that's the brief part about what i have to say hmm. um yeah i i completely uh, agree with maishara and the couple of other points that i'd like to add to what he's saying is the fact that if you're listening to society where is your opinion right so at no point should you ideally blindly accept what anybody tells you whether it's a society or it's a close person or is someone close to you or mm-hmm. whatever it doesn't mean you blindly deny it but you at the same time don't blindly accept it either uh one yeah. two more and more it's been proven that uh, society is hugely problematic and not just now it always is and always has been and always will be uh if if you want to go on this person a journey of self discovery and be, become more self aware you will invariably realize that you will have to step out of the social construct 
and figure that out for yourself like mahesh mm-hmm. or i was saying you cannot you know uh, be a part of this society at the same time have your own individual identity that goes against the basic structure of society itself uh, that having said that yeah. the journey is very isolating and it's very scary and very isolating uh, it 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 kind of causes a lot of stress because going against society means you have that many voices you know giving you advice trying to bring you back in trying to tell you that what you're doing is not right or you know all sorts of things happen the further you step away the more the pull is a gravitational force that pulls you into it as much as possible and and you know we are social creatures so we want to be uh, yeah. engaged with the society around us and the more you step out of that social structure it causes tremendous anxiety and that's hardwired into our dna so there's 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 enough evidence in neuroscience that tells you that being isolated causes physical pain um there have been you know people have been tested in mri machines and they found that the same uh, pain centers in the brain fire up when you are socially isolated that fire up when you are physically hurt so going against society theoretically sounds easy to do but psychologically and in some cases physiologically is very very painful but unfortunately or fortunately it's a great way to figure out whether how to great way to start your journey of self discovery and self awareness but that call is yours entirely it, it's up to that individual saying do i want to figure out who i am or not and either way it's up to you there's no right or wrong answer again but if you decide yeah. to say that i need to know more about myself you then need to pull yourself out of this social structure and and social norms and then look at yourself and say okay now what am i if i'm not a part of society now who am i and that's the first step of first step towards self discovery i think uh, like and, I, okay yeah sorry mahesh go on go on. no uh, so just to add on to what abhi was mentioning as well and the more you fall into this uh, trap of conforming to what society believes and what they think um, so all of us have this perception of there is this agency outside of us there is this thing called the other or whatever everything mm-hmm. else is that we try to mend ourselves to right we mm-hmm. have these um, moral un- unwritten rules that we have that we adhere to Uh, even though you may not feel that way on the inside you behave a certain way because there is agency around you and you have to behave a certain way to it and that is one aspect of it but the more you start conforming to it uh, there is a self identity that you have that is slowly going to fade away and is always going to be inside you and a, a really good example i was just i just finished watching this movie called brief encounter have you seen brief encounter no i haven't Okay so it's a it's a british film david lean directed it it's from 1945 or something uh so there's this there's a scene in the very beginning of the film it is it's so interesting because there's this lady who's having she's married but she's she has a love affair going on mm-hmm. and she wants to talk like she's really clearly really disheartened about it and the person she's having the love affair with is going away so that it's not going to be there anymore so she is on the train going back home and in front of her is this acquaintance of hers who just chatters a lot you know those typical british gossipy madam is just talking and talking and talking uh, so from an outwardly point of view she is saying yeah 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 and she is agreeing with her but then it cuts like it slowly fades in on her and there is internal monologue she is having and she is saying i wish you you were a true friend i wish you weren't just an acquaintance who just gossiped around me all the time uh, i wish i could have spoken my heart out to you and she she's having all of these monologues inside and it suddenly cuts outside 
to her speaking are you okay are you okay she was like yeah yeah i'm fine i'm fine and it, it, it is such a beautiful scene because it, it goes into everything that we're talking about she's conformed to what the society is so much and she can't be herself in front of anyone and she's slowly losing that side of her and the more you do that and as abhay said the, the more alone you're going to feel and the pain is real hmm. i think I, yeah that's a that's a wonderful thing to say i mean like there is an importance of isolation in life i think the, like abhay really pointed out by saying like when you when you are isolated it would really hurt but uh, i think some of the most inspiring stories that are uh, present or that we i mean i've come across are some of the stories that go through a, uh, a cycle of self discovery i think like, there is no better feeling than like completely understanding yourself i think that is one thing that everyone should strive for and i think if you guys have watched into the wild uh, christopher mccandless story i think that would be a really yeah, yeah. Uh, really good way of understanding how self discovery plays a part of becoming who you truly have to be or want to be and the ironic thing is that the movie ends with him writing in the book uh, mm-hmm. happiness only real when shared uh huh yeah so isolation is important for self realization but at the end of the day you still need uh, human contact yeah every yeah, hard way for that human contact i think to exist mm-hmm. in a state of active detachment is the final goal i think you know a lot of eastern philosophy pretty much cracked that model uh, you detach and then you find a way to reengage with active detachment i think that's the space you create so you engage socially but you have a space around you where you can still hold on to your individuality and find a balance between the two i think that i think should be uh, you know something that one should try and strive towards yeah i think like going on this journey of self discovery and being completely isolated like even though we'll be in a city with full of people with full a lot of people like we will still be isolated we will still be trying to get through whatever patch that is there in our life but the one thing that would uh, be really uh, heartbreaking for uh, me personally would be the fear of not starting that journey itself you know the fear of the unknown i think that would be a really inhibiting factor for a lot of people like to step out there and to understand every single thing true for sure that is scary for sure to begin that journey Okay. Um, do you have? Do you guys have anything to say regarding this? Like, I have one more question to ask. Yeah, go for it. Okay. Uh, I don't have anything. Else. Yeah, I. No, Abhay was saying something. Abhay. No, no, I don't have. Anything. Okay. Uh, I think this is a really uh, funny question to ask. But if you guys could travel back into time, uh, travel time travel. Like what would be the one thing that you would want to change through the course of history? Whoa! Oh my God! <laughs> um, okay. History is too long. 
Yeah, even sure. I have to think. Uh, like this question came out uh, when we were talking about propaganda and history. Like even I thought of this question right mm. now. Even I have to think of uh, something to say. But, okay. Yeah. Sorry. Go ahead, Mike. Um, I've got. I think I've got an answer. Uh, de- depends on how long do I have to change these events. Do I have like a day? Do I have two days? No, no, no. You have. A, Or do I have like? <laughs> Say you have a month. I mean, I'm a time traveler, right? <laughs> yeah, okay, so I'll go back to when I was in tenth, whichever year that is. So I'll go back to myself, and I'll give him like a one-month crash course on everything that I've learned about films, so that whatever I've seen now, I would have seen it earlier, and I can watch more now. That's uh, my answer. Like, <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> like through history, you'll just go back to yourself when you're in tenth standard and say that. Like you have a lot more to do. Yeah, yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, who knows what? I'll by mistake. I'll what if I make World War Three happen? I don't know what I can do. And the history is just so long. But this I know for a fact is going to have a positive outcome. So I'll go to that. <laughs> Smart. Yeah. I think going back in time and changing things, I think was definitely. Uh, one of those things that i think a lot of us have fantasized about and i think longer i have lived i have realized that uh, it gets more and more complicated but there is no way to know what the impact of something like this will be so i like mayeshwar's approach to say keep that journey completely personal you know mm-hmm. stick to yeah. your line and stick to your lifeline and say okay this is what you want to do so i think that's the only thing i would uh, risk doing uh, if at all i would go back it would be my timeline only and i think some of the insights that i got now i think i would have gone back and shared some of that with myself in my 20s to save a lot of time in figuring stuff out yeah. so i'd probably yeah. go back to my 20s and say this we're going to stress about a lot of these things don't bother here's the truth sit down you know pour yourself a drink let me tell you what this is all about and give you a good quick hack in terms of getting there faster so i think that's what i would uh, go back into the rest of it is of course there's too many variables this whole thing of go back and yeah. it's nothing that that whole drama that happened <laughs> yeah i don't know okay uh, last when we left off we were talking about uh, what would be the one thing that we would change uh, abhay and my told uh, yeah they gave their answers but yeah i, I yeah. think uh, i don't know what i would have done uh like thinking about uh, the things that i've done in the past i actually have done nothing absolutely nothing the one thing that i would want to do uh if i could time travel like go into the future uh, maybe see how everything is and come back uh, to reality come back to the present maybe invent uh, the things that happened then and uh, patent that get a little bit of money so that could help me so what we have proved today is all three of us are selfish <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah i think that you goes the to of... the goes to the human nature itself right <laughs> yeah 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 very true i think uh, the human condition as it is exactly condition. and also there is you know we just know one reality god knows what the other reality would be would it be better would it be worse we are tempted to think it would be better but uh, reality has shown mm-hmm. us that every time someone tried to same to change one situation they've created a worse situation somewhere else 
yeah who knows what the darkest timeline looks like exactly right so and yeah it, and what then if that becomes the darkest timeline then what happens what comes after that because it's going to keep yeah. getting darker so where does that that's yeah, a proper spiral yeah right. so i think it's good to stick to your timelines and make small incremental changes and like my present hope that you haven't triggered world war 3 yep and almost all the time whenever we like fantasize about the ability to time travel it's almost always you go back and like oh what if i change this when this happened to me or that happened you never think oh maybe i should go back to 17th century india and see how it's like that is just a thought that never comes to you you know it's usually just oh, let me go fix this let me go fix that is this human nature yeah i think uh, like looking back at what the three answers of ours are like the one statement that you said mahesh uh, like uh, the three of us are really selfish i think uh, that was like really resonating with me right now like wow, okay i understand i am selfish <laughs> yeah yeah go on go on no just uh, just embrace it just embrace everyone you're supposed to be selfish <laughs> uh there's not too much that's all yeah, yeah. i think uh, the the act of life itself is the act of of selfishness because you look at it in nature selfishness also means self preservation uh if everything if every if every living thing went out and became completely selfless uh life on this planet would have ended quite some time back mm. so i think the need for survival comes from being selfish and uh, it's just got you know the word has got uh, beaten up and abused and and you know it has taken on a whole different meaning but the fact that you you every living creature fights for its own existence comes from that uh so if you need life to thrive uh the individual and the species then needs to be selfish to to make sure that it continues living and propagates it propagates its species agreed agreed i think uh, like uh, to say to talk more about that i think the one part where uh, i feel we would have uh, gone through that journey of self growth is trying to understand the value of uh, being selfless and at the same time not giving out your own personal uh, uh, needs or wants like not compromising that and at the same time not compromising on the part of being selfless i think being selfless is important is as important as being selfish yeah i, I, I the, the whole that there's, there's so much of semantics involved right selfless from a spiritual yeah. perspective means there's no sense of self at all that's a spiritual aspect to it yeah uh, mm. so i think um, i i think it depends on how you how you define that word and how in what context in which you in which context you use it mm. agreed okay yeah one it all boils down okay. to okay sorry sorry go on go on go on no i'm just saying it all boils down to the moments in which you're making these choices that really matter right when you uh you're in a, in a situation where you either you make the selfish choice uh, which is probably going to be good for you or, or you make this selfless in the most in the way we generally use it 
selfless choice which is which may not be the best for you but uh, you feel like oh I, i i don't want the trouble because i have this problem no, i don't like confrontations so if there's any point where i do, i can avoid a confrontation even if it is like going to be some sort of problem me and like okay cool i'll deal with it so that is another scenario so i guess yeah, it comes up to every individual and in what situations you make those choices and what impact those choices have on you yeah. true and i i don't believe that there is any act that is entirely selfless and there's nothing wrong with that mm-hmm. because you make yeah. selfless act because you choose to do that versus something else uh so i mm. don't believe that there is there is no there is any act that's truly selfless because on one level it is the self that's making the act so therefore you that is involved and two you are choosing to do this versus something else that is you're choosing this because this will make you feel better than something else that it, in itself becomes an act that be, in itself becomes a selfish act and i just think that the word selfish gets a lot of flack for wrong, for for the wrong reasons like mayshora said as yeah. long as you're not being selfish for and, and that the act of being selfish is not hurting anyone else that's fine so i think the whole concept of selfless is is a bit of a misnomer yeah i don't believe that any act is truly selfless and you know there's absolutely nothing wrong with that because self interest like i said helps propagate a species uh if someone's really excited about an invention and wants to do it and and creates penicillin or create something that helps uh humanity that selfish act of wanting to help humanity has created something that has helped humanity so so i think uh it depends on like again like myshwar said in what context you 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 use that word or in what context you act that way yeah i think uh, what he just said puts everything into perspective because uh, yeah i i think i've uh, learned something now right now because by saying uh, like even if the, even the most selfless act would have a selfish motive to it like the personal uh, uh what do you say um the sa- the amount of satisfaction the selfish satisfaction that people want i think even to do a selfless act people would want the satisfaction of having done that deed i think selfish and selfless go hand in hand true and i think uh, quite often we use terms like that to again make ourselves good make ourselves feel good about about what what we have done <laughs> and uh, i i don't think that's necessary you just you know there's no harm in saying that i feel good about doing this and therefore i'm going to do this i would you know something as simple as i i want to help you because i like the idea of helping you there's nothing wrong in that you're still helping somebody right yeah okay uh one last question before we end because it's already 11:20 or something okay um how important is being spiritual than rather than being i mean we talked about this a lot uh, throughout the episode but like uh, to have like one single last question like do you think spirituality is important for a person like uh, it is subjective it is a general question but do you think spirituality is important for self growth i will let abhay handle this already because we have talked about this so much already extensively 
or another discussion that we had and uh, he is all about spirituality and uh, yeah please talk about it okay i'll follow up after you uh yeah that's um, i think spirituality that there are two aspects to it that that i believe uh, are are important to define here one is the conscious act of of being being spiritual which means seeking deeper meaning in action in life in existence and all the aspects that go along with it and then there is i've slowly discovered that uh, a wonderful other side of it where people have a very spiritual existence without realizing it and that i think is uh, i've come across this in a few individuals in in you know in in the most un uh expected places you know interactions with people um you know on 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 a on a roadside conversations or waiting in a you know in a in a railway station or a bus stop or or an airport and I, every now and then i come across somebody who has a very very clear and crystal clear view of of and a very simple view of of uh, life and uh, they have a very deep spiritual awareness without actively engaging in it so i think one way or the other if you want to look at contentment you want to look at self awareness uh spirituality either consciously or subconsciously has plays a very very important role in it and i think um without for me the my journey on in 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 spirituality has been just to get a better understanding of of who i am and get a more accepting position of who i am i think that for me has been my main journey uh, main driving force in looking at myself deeper and my main uh, purpose in in looking at a more spiritual way of living so i think it's i wouldn't have reached this state of at least some amount of self awareness wherever i've reached i don't know what obviously there's no end to it this level of self awareness if i hadn't taken on a spiritual path which again like i said earlier is a very painful and lonely and isolating journey but it was crucial that i go through that journey so i think it's a very important aspect of our existence if you want to live a life of of as much self awareness as possible at that point in your life yeah agreed and uh, at least for me i honestly don't know what being spiritual means because i think i'm still beginning this journey so weirdly and um whatever exposure i've had to spirituality has always for now been through films or the shows that i've seen and more recently uh, one of the shows that really got me into it was uh, it's a show on netflix it's an animated show called the midnight gospel uh, i think i mentioned it a few times before but it's uh, the creator of the show is called duncan trussell uh he has his own podcast called the duncan trussell family hour and he's a he's a really really spiritual guy and he brings on all these guests from you know cult leaders magicians people who went to prison um he he even did a podcast with his mom um who had cancer she was terminally ill and a few weeks before she died that was the last last time they talked and that was, they did a podcast together so the the animated show midnight gospel basically takes these excerpts from all of these podcasts and constructs a loose narrative around it and makes an animated show out of it and it is wonderful it is one of the most beautiful shows i've seen in the last year and the final episode had me bawling because it is with his mother and 
they go through concepts all the way from death sense of self what it means to be alive um uh, e- even drug laws you know uh, what what is the benefit of marijuana or uh what, what what buddhism is the teachings of buddhism and what it really means to let what ego death is and so a lot of these concepts that are in the spiritual realm i was exposed to from these shows and from there whichever i was most attracted to i dug deep into it and uh, as i said it, it gives you a sense of self awareness because uh, it puts into words that you always kind of instinctively know that, that happens with us a lot where uh, you, you somehow know this but you're never you're never able to put a finger on what exactly it is and when someone spells it out for you and you can relate to it okay it, it registers in your mind as to this is what it is and the next time these situations occur you're more self aware of it because you know oh this is what i'm dealing with this is what it is so i i think i'm still on that journey slowly slowly uh, every few months i'm like oh shit i need to be more self aware i am i mean this rut of just doing the same thing every day again and again and again and i'm not actively living my life and i'm passively living my life which is one of the biggest problems i'm facing right now that i need to live an active life and not a passive life so that's the main thing i'm dealing with right now yeah, um, i think so, both of you okay yeah I, sorry a bit to cut you off you were saying Uh, you know, adding to what uh, Maheshwara said in the end, which is important. If you strip it down to to everything, what spirituality? There's a lot that comes under the umbrella of spirituality, but if you strip it down to the bare bones of what it is, it just boils down to this: What am I doing with my life currently? Right? I'm not feeling okay about something. Why am I not feeling okay about it? That journey mm-hmm. of discovering that is spirituality. It's as simple as that. Right? Currently, yeah. I'm not feeling. i'm not feeling okay i'm a little sad about something i don't know what it is or i'm unhappy about something or i've seen something that's really distressed me why am i feeling that right i uh, there's the other side of it too which saying yeah. that hey this is giving and this is a side that's not explored too much saying hey i really like this and i'm really enjoying this why am i enjoying this so if you strip down it strip it down to the bare bones this is what spirituality is all about if you want to know the answers to these things you automatically your journey of spirituality has begun it doesn't matter which route you take up whether it's buddhism taoism or you know hinduism or any other you know religious or spiritual belief the beginning of that questioning is your journey that is your step into spirituality nice i think like uh, yeah. one perspective that i wanted to add on to this is like uh, the book that i'm reading i'm really i'm really slow at reading books but the book that i am reading the zen and the art of motorcycle maintenance i think the author he puts it into perspective really well like he talks about how motorcycle like his passion of uh, riding motorcycles and all like he puts it into a really good answer like he talks himself by saying like when you are on a motorcycle you have the f- open road right below your feet you can take your feet off the pedal of the gear lever you can just put it down you can feel everything that is going on right there and contrasting to that he talks about being in a car like when you're traveling in a car you are confined to four walls you are traveling even though you're traveling you feel the sense of traveling you feel sense of change happening around you 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 are st- still stuck in that 
four dimensions or four walls that you are sitting in i think for me that even i really completely agree with mahesh when he said uh, he's starting his journey of being like understanding spirituality and questioning his daily actions i think even i fall into that category itself but i think that for me the way the author put it out would be the essential starting point for me personally to understand how to be more uh, alive and more aware more uh, completely involved in every action that i do true i think that's the space of taking more ownership and taking more control of your life right where do your actions come from why are they there why are you acting a certain way and the more you figure that out the more you take back control of your being can take back control of yourself and i think that's the final aim of spirituality according to me at least mm-hmm. and i'm surprised it and also of motorcycle maintenance and uh, years ago it was the bible of our generation oh wow i've never heard of this book yeah i'm not a book reader at all robert unfortunately Sorry, who's this by who's this by robert m persig um, persig uh, okay yeah good i mean i didn't know how to pronounce the name that was the entire problem mm-hmm. mm. hey yeah mahesh you were saying no i was saying at least now in the beginning there should also be this understanding that uh, it is going to take time and there are going to be moments where you are not going to be able to be as active or be as aware of the things that you're doing and really think about it and it's okay to do so it's taken me a lot of time to come to that understanding and not just beat myself up over it and take my time and like whatever happens happens but eventually you're going to get back to the point where you're going to be more active in the things that you do so take it slow because there is no point in rushing yourself absolutely that's a, that's a very good insight to have to begin with i think that's that's i think the culture more and more it's being our culture is going you know head on into this whole milestone and achievement and you know everything about how soon can you get stuff done unfortunately that yeah. is spirituality also and that goes exactly in the opposite direction i'll just wrap up with this one quick story uh you know the zen koans right so zen masters would would share their knowledge through stories to their disciples so there's this wonderful story um, where this guy comes to zen master and he says okay i need you know um, enlightenment i want enlightenment i'm willing to you know give whatever it takes uh, how long do you think it will take so he, he finds it a weird question and says okay you know let's say 5 years he's like what 5 years i don't have 5 years i'm willing to work twice as hard i'm willing to work really you know whatever you want me to do i'll do how long will it take he said 7 years said what seven years i'm bring to work i'm telling you i'll give it everything i've got i won't sleep at night i won't do anything how about then he said 10 years <laughs> so the point is the harder you come at something like this the longer you're going to take to yeah. get it because you can't yeah. put this down to timeline it has to happen mm-hmm. when it happens and uh, yeah. you know when, when your mind is ready you will see the answers and it it will take time so at you know at some point we can have a longer discussion on this because it's a huge debate by itself but uh, i think a great mm-hmm. starting point is this measure as a very good insight to have yeah completely agreed okay uh, i think we've talked extensively about everything and uh, it's 11:33 right now so i think it's a really good time to wrap up this episode 
okay one uh, i'll okay so mahesh is new abhay you know the drill i'll give you 30 seconds uh, you can speak your heart out you can say whatever you want to anyone uh, who's listening or anyone you want to personally tell something or if it's a time capsule for yourself itself you i'll give you 30 seconds so mahesh take the you oh, have wait i don't want wait i'm on the spot i let abhay go first and then i'll then <laughs> okay. i'll go yeah um okay so basically i think it's where we're ending now is a good point for me to share my 30 seconds i think there's so much information that you guys are dealing with right now in your generation right now that i can imagine it being very overwhelming at at times uh times without you guys even realizing it i i can sense that there's a sense of being overwhelmed uh there's too much change and too much shift happening so all i can suggest is and if it's like a time capsule to me i would go back and what i can share with you guys is to slow down whenever you can you know take some time out slow down give yourself a little bit of a break put your feet up don't be in a hurry to do too many things too fast um as exciting as it may seem and as uh, the amount of um pressure that you might feel to do things and to achieve things and to accomplish things um i'm you know like you said i'm 30 years older than you guys i'm hitting a, an interesting milestone in my life this year um looking back i think one of the things that i feel i'm glad that i got a chance to experience because there was no internet and there was no access to that much content is i could life was a lot slower for me in my 20s and it is for you guys um don't let that don't let that drive you you know into into a kind of a semi chaotic state be aware of what is happening around you and wherever possible just slow down the pace a little bit and uh, take the time to enjoy that doing nothing for a while and you know pepper your life with that i think that's that's a very very important thing for you guys to start practicing and becoming aware of in your 20s because before you know it you'll be circling 50 and a lot of it will just dip past you nice mahesh what do you have to say for okay uh okay i'm also going with the the time capsule aspect of it i'm just going to make it a message to myself in the future hi me from the future how are you doing hopefully you're doing well and uh, okay so this week has been really really good for me uh, like just i know i've just been really excited and uh, uh, i have a huge passion to make these short short films that i have in my head and i'm super excited about it the moment I, because i have all this music in my head i know what to do and every time i listen to that song the, the entire film plays in my head and i get so happy and excited that one day i'm going to sit and make this and edit it and like everything is in my head but it's happened before and i've done the whole thing and things are just lying on my laptop because I, i'm not happy with how it ended up so me from the future Uh, please make those ideas that you have in your head even if they turn out to be bad just make them and keep it don't let them fester in your head for too long because you're going to regret it at some point of time and uh, this is also good for you to look back and think about how exciting this week was because every day you felt so happy because you had so many ideas coming into your head and you've written all of them down and uh, hopefully by the time you're listening back to this you've made all of those and they're good that's it Nice. Okay, one last question, guys. What's the last song you guys listened to? What's the last song I listened to? Yeah, exactly. Correct. Uh, it's a song by Dan Deacon uh, called "When I Was Done Dying." Ha! Uh-huh. I shall listen to that. Okay. Uh, 
I was listening to Dire Straits, Brothers in Arms. Nice. Beautiful song. Mm. Yeah. My last song was uh, a song called uh, Rider by Divine. I really like his content right now, and you guys should check it out. Yeah. Sure, so. mm, I should listen more. Okay, so thank you guys for taking your time off and talking to me. Uh, like a really good conversation right now. Yes. Yep. Yeah, it was it was, a, it was an amazing conversation. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, and like I suggested at some point, I think this is the what he brought up and what he spoke about towards the end was important also. So on the spirituality angle. So any time in the future you want to have another conversation about around this particular thing, I'd be happy to. Yeah, definitely. Do it. Yeah. Likewise. And as usual, I'm going to somehow, somehow shoehorn my recommendations for films in between. Like I did in this episode. Maybe you did not notice. But I didn't. Not at all. Not at all. <laughs> not at all, no? Very, very subtle. Okay, guys. Very uh, subtle. So, good night. Uh, all right, good night, guys. Have a wonderful rest of the okay. week ahead, and uh, yeah, hopefully we get to do whatever we want to. Yes. Yes. Okay. All so right. on that note, it's time Thanks. to end the show. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys for being on the show. I really enjoyed talking. Yeah, that's Thanks. all I have to say. All right. Yeah. Good night. Bye bye.